And welcome to the 33rd episode of the UU Hawka Show. This is Sarah, Anna, Megan, and uh, Patrick. And live from Alhambra, California, Joe Spiro. You mean the, the back of a uh, back of a dumpster stealing someone's Wi-Fi? From hell, Joe Spiro. The emissary. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. War shocking Wi-Fi in the post-apocalyptic future. It's Joe Spiro. <laughs> Last time, we jammed out to our favorite Yu Hakusho songs, covering the release history and the production in both Japan and America. We then ranked and listened to all the theme songs in all the different languages. Today, we'll be covering the Yu Hakusho finale, Sensei Hakusho, and commentary from the English dub cast. You better get ready! Or don't. We're, we're doing it anyway, so... It's our last episode, guys. No, it's our Is last it? episode on the original anime. After yeah, this, we will be go. We'll be continuing our podcast. Uh, we'll be covering different things, and we will talk more about that later. We'll be covering Anyways, things and stuff. Who wants to take the Who wants to take the episode? The last episode. Sure. N- I'll. Oh, what? Go for it. Oh, sorry, you're breaking up, Joe. Yeah. No, I was going to say not it. That's all. Go for it. Okay. Uh, episode one hundred and twelve. The U.S. title, A Day in Waiting, and the Japanese title, Forever, Yu Yu Hakusho. Sounds like a great fan site. Uh, release dates are December 17th, 1994 in Japan, and April 1st, 2006 in America. I guess it was April Fool's, so... April Fool's, the show's ending. Just kidding, it's really ending. Uh, <laughs> synopsis. Uh, Korbara is studying hard for his college entrance exams, but nothing could compare... Nothing could prepare him for what happens when he arrives in a mysterious meeting with Genkai. One after the other, the old gang shows up, but where, where's Yusuke at? Where is he, guys? I don't know. That sounds so much more ominous than what that yeah, episode actually was. was. I mean, wanna, it sounds more ominous. Summary. Oh, wow. Oh, sorry. What? It sounds, sounds more like... ominous than the TV episode, what happens, but it's less ominous than what happens in the manga. Mm, that's true. Wait, what? We'll, we'll talk about that later. In the manga. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Kurama and Korbar are in the train station, talking about how everyone pretty much lost the Demon Lord tournament. Yeah, they kind of kind of sucked this this one. You know. Yeah. Man. What's the opposite of plot armor? Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what they put on for the final round. Uh, I think I think that's plot guillotines. Oh, okay. That's probably a TV tropes page. I assume we can look up. Well, I'll check it out later. Yep. It's, it's probably just somewhere. But uh, Korbar's high school classmates... Uh, well, I mean, I get to start off. Korbar is sitting on, the, on a train bench talking to Kur- Kurama <laughs> about uh, just, uh, just general tournament things. And then Korbar's high school classmates come by and tell uh, Kurama that uh, she's a really, really pretty girl <laughs> and that uh, asking Korbar is going out with him. And... Uh, you know, he has delicate features, and he gets all embarrassed. He's like, he's not a girl, it's a guy. <laughs> so, and uh, Kuobar is super popular because the first day in high school, he predicted an earthquake, which is kind of weird. But I don't like how that's what makes it popular. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, it's like, uh, what is he, uh, going to be the new weatherman? Good, uh, <laughs> he's that character in Mean Girls. <laughs> oh my god. 
There's a 60% chance. That he's like, guys, there's going to be an earthquake. As he touches his tit. <laughs> yeah. So is he a future meteorologist then? Mm-hmm. That's a geologist, but all right. Seismologist. What did I say? You said meteorologist. It's probably a yeah, seismologist. I'm not sure. Oh, I was just saying meteorologist because the predicting the weather and forecast stuff. But no I guess worries, seismologist no makes sense. I think in Weather Channel. Uh, yeah, two years since uh, Kuribora last talked to Yusuke. Later stayed in Demon World, and uh, yeah, later stayed in Demon World. Oh, ladder stayed in Demon. Oh, ladder stayed. Oh, the la- the ladder. <laughs> later stayed in Demon. <laughs> Spelled the same. It's fine. It's like read and red. I thought that wrong. No, I thought letter has two T's. You know what? Maybe I'm bad at spelling. Yeah, semantics. It's fine. The latter stayed in Demon World, which is Yusuke. He was like, "See you, Gobar. Enjoy your dumb school stuff." And then the scene changes, and Keiko has long hair and is meeting somebody today. Who could it be? No, see, maybe she's on a date because she finally. Let Yusuke... Moved on. Moved on. Yeah. She needs to move on. Yeah. From that then, deadbeat. That, what an ass. So yeah. now Karama and Kulbara are at a cafe. And they meet up with Shizuru and Keiko. And they start talking stuff like the bear is down. And that the demons promise not to invade the human world. Which Kulbara freaks like Kulbara out. out. <laughs> yeah. Would it not freak anybody out that the demons are able to enter the world and you know kill people? Yeah, because this is like an honor code is the only reason why they're not doing anything. <laughs> but they're fucking demons! Didn't he this literally cut the barrier himself, sense. though? Yeah, he yeah. did cut the barrier. And why was he surprised he cut the barrier? He's like, how's the barrier down? They, they've repaired it since, like not the Kakai barrier, they repaired the rift. So remember, there's two layers. There's the actual rift, which is the hole, and then there was the barrier. He took down the barrier. In the English dub, they refer to the hole and the barrier as one thing when they're two different things. Gotcha. Mm. So that's why I'm confused. Yeah. I don't know, guys. You can cut this out, but I don't know why. I just when you said the description of the Kakai barrier, I thought of a vagina and a hymen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Popping the human world's cherry. Anyways. <laughs> oh my god. That's being excised. <laughs> anyway. Oh no. You just made it worse. Uh, so they take the train ride and uh, it turns out they're reading the newspaper and just like in Men in Black, turns out some of the, you know, fucking stupid uh, tabloid shit is true because there's an alien who looks suspiciously like Hiei and has talked about, uh, you know, abducting people. Which then flashes forward to the demon world where you see Hiei on a human sort of abduction patrol. But really what they're doing is finding people who accidentally walked into the demon world and sending them back home. Because remember, you can get across... Uh, like the Even with the Kakai barrier down, your ability to get through the two worlds is related to how strong you are. And most humans are not past like D class. So they'd be able to get across pretty easy. Yeah, no, that's kind of how they even end up there. It's like they're just walking in a forest. Oh, hey, I'm in Demon World now. Well, it turns out that if you go to this one well in downtown Tokyo, and <laughs> I don't know, let's say you're like a 17 year old schoolgirl and you fall into the well, you sometimes show up and feel Whoa, 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 Joe, 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 sit, boy, sit. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, but, you know, with that, with that brief aside. Um, basically, he is just erasing people's memories. I don't think he's probing anyone, or at least I don't think that's implied. 
Um, and he, you know, has this weird servant relationship to Makuro, where it's just like, yeah, that's her errand boy, but something else is going on, I guess. Uh, yeah, he doesn't care to return to human world, because really, kind of like, what's the point? But, uh, after discussing this and everyone laughing it off, they talk about the matter at hand, which is that Genkai wants everyone to visit her for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like any other good granny would. But, uh, yeah, anybody else imagine Hiei with, like, the men in black glasses and the flasher thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turns out the flasher's his third eye. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he just, like, yeah. puts on sunglasses and he'll wear his regular eyes. <laughs> 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 he like, oh, I just popping out. <laughs> That'd be insanely funny. I make this goth <laughs> outfit look good. <laughs> oh, I love Chuck Eber. Uh, let's see, where are we at? So, when they arrive to the compound, they're greeted by Yukina, who now lives with her full-time, and she mentions that Kurobara visits very regularly. Huh, wonder why. Weird. <laughs> and Genkai shows up. She's very happy to see everyone, but is not so happy that Yusuke hasn't come back. Um, Keiko is sad, because to her, it seems like Yusuke doesn't care about returning to human world. Um... There's a quote, it's like, remember that we don't live just to feel good. Yeah, this is giving me a lot of, a lot of last episode of Lost vibes going on here. Mm-hmm. So what happened in the last episode of Lost? Why were they lost? Uh, basically, I don't know, any, any of you guys care about Swan Lost? Spoilers! If you it's been a trillion years, <laughs> and it was very popular. <laughs> basically, basically, the thing is that they were dead the entire time on the island. The plan was some sort of purgatory, and they all went to the church, and then they all went to heaven. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I guess. That sounds like, what else were they going to do? Like, Yeah, I, I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, in retrospect, there's like literally nothing else they could have done. Yeah. Good show, though. We recommend watching it, even though you kind of got spoiled. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yep, Ginkai, yeah. Uh, we were just, yeah. Uh, was it Koima and Botan show up? And that's pretty cool. They're being, got all the gang together. And Ginkai gathered them to give her will and words while she's alive, saying that she's really not going to be alive forever, and that she's gonna she's gonna have to give give her things away, and she's gonna pass. But it's kind of sad to think about, though. Believes it's gonna be a long time before humans and demons can live together in peace. And after now, she wants to leave her hands to the crews as place, but leave her lands to the crew as place okay. place demon refugees can gather. So after that, they all hike down to the beach, and they're just talking like, I can't believe Genkai thinks she's going to die soon. Botan says like, um, says that she thinks Genkai is going to be living longer than everyone else, which I think is true as well. Like, if old, like you know, there's some old people that they just they kick it for a long time. <laughs> she only died once. What's stopping her from living on forever now? Exactly. That is true. You know, like, that one guy who tried to scam an older lady out of her inheritance or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and then ended up being outlived by said old lady? Wow. I've never heard about that. That's amazing. She was, like, I don't know if this is real, but, like, I remember this, like, urban legend where the guy was, like, some sort of, like, finance insurance broker or whatever, and, like, he targeted this one lady who was, like, in her 80s. Um, and he was, like, in his 40s at his time. Mm. So, like, he was on her will or something like that. And um, if she passed away, he'd get all her money. Well, he ended up passing away, like, 
10, 15 years later of like a heart attack or something, and she outlived him. Damn. Wow. He, I was just, like, he just played himself. I know. <laughs> Damn. No, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. She's like uh, Sh- Sean Connery. <laughs> pretty much, except less Scottish. Sean Connery's still alive, right? Yeah, he's still alive. He, he, uh, last time I heard him, he was lamenting that Scotland didn't get its independence. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fucking sad. Especially with what's happened since Bullock's... Sorry? Where's Sean Connery from? Like, uh, not, like, Scotland, but, like, what movie? Um, James Bond. Oh, Highlander. Man. The Hunt for October. All things I've never seen. Got it. Yo, uh, Highlander fucking it. rules. Okay. He was also in one of the best movies of all time, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think okay. I have seen that one. I unironically like that movie, but I fully recognize it is schlock bullshit. You hey. made us watch it for like a movie night once. I'm oh my sure. god, I did. I remember now. Wow, you didn't invite me, Joe? That was before so we knew I'm each cool. other, dude. I love that movie. Sure. No, uh, one of the things I actually thought was interesting that it implied Ginkai died during the... Uh, the OVA. Remember how she was speaking through Pooh? Oh, yeah. So oh, think... there's something there. Well, do you want to know? Sure. In the manga, she died right after speaking to Yusuke through Pooh. Oh, really? Yeah, so in the manga, this part of it is them going to effectively reading out her will after she died. Oh. Yeah. It's incredibly in different. In the anime, is very different. Like, there is more time taking place in this last chapter in the manga. Like, it doesn't happen within all one day. Like, this final mm-hmm. episode is implied that happens within one day. The manga actually takes place through, like, at least a month. Yeah. And uh, and I think they cut it because of that whole, the, um, was it the, the terrorist bombs? attack. Yeah. The terrorist mm-hmm. attacks in Japan. Which they, I mean, they, they, they redid it for the, the future, which in the future, which I, I liked at least. Mm-hmm. But no. For the audience at home and me, because I am not historically, what what terrorist attacks? Uh, the gas sarin attacks, attacks in Japan, where the the what was that cult's name? The guy that Om uh, Shinrikyo. Om Shinrikyo, where he uh, he was a freak. He like made people wear helmets and he project his thoughts onto them, like trying telepathically. Oh, okay. And anyways, he tried. They tried so many times to try to bomb Japan, put sarin gas all over the place. And so they had three people in three different groups go on subway trains and pop uh, balloons full of sarin gas, um, and like several people died or was paralyzed or literally blinded. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so, and that was right after, like, basically in the manga, he had done the terrorist attack to end Yu Hakusho, and then he's like, "Can't they were like can't do this in the anime?" Not to mention, I think the World Trade Center bombing just happened recently after that, too. Oh, the, mm-hmm. no, the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, for anyone who doesn't yeah. know. Because a Sorry, lot of people don't know that didn't happen. A lot oh, yeah. of people didn't know that happened, I mean. Oh, yeah, no, they, it got bombed twice, 193, yeah. And you, you guys oh, wait, you guys are being serious. No, yeah, I'm not joking. entirely I'm not joking. serious. There was I a, had no idea, again. It was Al-Qaeda, there was some guy that drove a truck underneath the building and blew up uh, the truck. I thought, that was, I thought that was a different building. No, you think of Oklahoma Ohio. City, which was actually oh. a much more fatal explosion. Yeah, okay. that one. Uh, that one's Timothy McVeigh. And don't ask how I know about all these terrorist things. I kind of, I kind of like watching documentaries. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. Uh, anyways, uh, my weird interest aside, <laughs> uh, where were we at? I got lost again. So cool of our uh, mentions remembering the selection. There was the same piece. Harukane, the Dark Tournament, Sensui, 
the Mazuku demon world, demon king, and how it all started from there. Yeah, basically, he's, like, the steps he's walking on is where his journey into, like, this whole crazy world started, like, with Yusuke. So, yeah, very sad. Or very bittersweet, reminiscent. Um... So there's a Spanish term, um, Joe. Uh, I, I deleted it. I don't remember the context. All it said was like, de romanta ser entre hombres, which means of romance between men. And I'm like, I feel I might have miscopied this. Okay. That's okay. Um, so Genkai and Kawama decided to stay inside the compound or the temple. The temple. They're just like watching from afar. And like now they're all on the beach, the rest of the gang, Keiko and Kina watching the sunset and they run into the water. Um, Botan and Kobara are looking for sea stars or starfish and seashells and Kurama and Shizuru watch them from the distance. I think it's very like in character what each which each person is kind of doing or what each little pairing is doing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another Spanish phrase. So Kuobara says voy a buscar una concha which, depending on what type of Spanish you're speaking, is either, hey, I'm going to find a conch shell, or hey, I'm going to find a piece of bread in the shape of a conch shell, or if you're in Argentina, hey, I'm going to find a vagina. And, like, I was just like, I thought this was made for South America. So, like, when I heard that, I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, obviously from context you could figure out what they meant, but it's still like, dude, you should probably not be... That'd be like the equivalent of someone on just like an English show saying something, something, gonna find some pussy when they mean like finding <laughs> a cat. Cat, yeah. <laughs> what do they call conch shells in? Oh no, I in mean in Argentina. Area. Um, yeah. I think they just, I think they call them like also concha, but like they would refer, they would either like say like the species they're talking about or mm-hmm. like you know a general term for like a clam stuff like that. But mm-hmm. instead, they decide to use the like, hey, how about we say that one. You know, concha sounds nicer. Like, ah, oh, it's a shell of a, a to equivocate a vagina versus like ah, oh, a pussy, like yeah. a cat, a free I, animal. I think how much of that is because of like you being raised in a culture where that is the gross word for it. Because I yeah, bet to I them guess. they're like, yo, man, that's a bit much. Yeah, but a cat's like feline. Like a lioness. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of old stereotypes about, like, you know, all cats, regardless of actual sex, being female, and all dogs, regardless of actual sex, being male. Like, old gendered ideas. So, Uh like, I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of makes that uh, that SpongeBob episode a little bit uh, a little bit more risque. The magic conch shell. (laughs) Oh, oh god. (laughs) The talking con. My teeth all over again. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh god. Anyways. Uh so Keiko then kinda, you know, loses her composure for a second and yells that she's tired of waiting for Yusuke. Uh and you know, she says like Yusuke, you idiot, or Yusuke, you dummy, or something like that. I forget what she says, but in the Spanish one she says, Eres un tonto, which means you're a dummy, but like in a very childish way. So I was just like, okay, interesting. There's a lot of interesting dub choices here. Did they call um, they, since she called him a poo-poo head or something? <laughs> No, no, I mean, just tonto, which just means, like, stupid idiot. Gotcha. Um, is it kind of like the, like, mean or mean or mean, or, like, is it her tone of voice? No, they didn't change her tone of voice. It's just kind of like, you would think she would use a less goofy word for how dumb he was being than that one, because that's kind of like, like you dumb idiot. Mm-hmm. 
You, like dumbass. someone is saying, like, "Oh, you're a dumbass," and like, "Oh, you're a silly Billy." Or a silly, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> silly Billy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Yusuke's voice is then heard from off screen. Says, "I don't want you to wait either." And uh, then in Spanish, just says, "Hola, estoy de vuelta," as in like, "I'm back." And it's just like, yeah, that's that's clear, <laughs> but but okay. I'm back. <laughs> It's me. So Keiko... <laughs> He's like Costa del Wego and just shoots with a rocket launcher. <laughs> so Keiko runs into Yusuke, knocks him down, and they share a kiss. It's very cute. Ew. Yeah, and then they're like... Once they get a wave washes over them, and then they're like, like a pool apart, <laughs> and they're blinking at each other, and then like they start laughing, and Yusuke is like... Starts chasing her, for stealing that lit time from him. <laughs> All very cute. Um, they start, like, splashing water at each other, and then everyone else joins, and it's, like, really, really wholesome, and then Smile Bomb begins to the full version, right? Mm-hmm. In yeah. all languages, okay. yeah, the full version of Smile Bomb. Um, begins to play in the background. And then the tears start dripping down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it cuts to, like, other characters, like, he is relaxing in a tree. Ogre and Koema are back in spirit world doing their... Paperwork. Paperwork. <laughs> and then Genkai is in the temple drinking tea with Big Poo this time just, like, behind her sleeping. And then um, there's, like, after credits. After the credits, Yusuke does the finger bang, and which kind of <laughs> ends the series, I think. In the English dub, he says bang, and it's kind of weird. Like, it's the... I thought it was, the way he said it was a little weird, so... It'd be funny if it just, bang. it just, uh, God does, uh, the, uh, what's it name, uh, Cowboy Bebop voice actor, go bang. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think he says, like, bang. Yeah, I think he says bang, and then, like, in Japanese, he's yeah. like, bang, like or something like that, like, I forget. Um, yeah. He just, yeah. get, he just get, gets his hair done, bangs. <laughs> bangs. <laughs> yeah, I like says, your hair, Keiko, <laughs> pointing at you. Got some nice bangs. Yeah. Forever for never, which you know just makes sure, me think right. of like fucking uh, Rick yeah. Astley songs. Why don't we, uh, go over the themes for the show. Uh, for the yeah. very last so time. that's the final episode of the anime. Uh... So now we're at themes. Um, first is goodbyes. So being the last episode, this is the last time we see our beloved YYH game. Um, everyone seems to have settled um, into their lives, and they're like setting up their future, like Kawara's planning to go to college, to Genkai stating her will due to her inevitable death. And it's like a bittersweet goodbye. I, I like this episode, like, yeah, everyone's pretty much good to go. Yeah. What do you guys think with goodbyes? I thought, yeah, I thought it, it's even, like, it, it really extends even out to the, the real world to the goodbyes, like I was saying before, where it's like, you know, this whole journey we went on through all these episodes, all the jokes we made, all the the awful, all the great arcs, all the awful arcs, you know, mm-hmm. it sort of fits, you know, and that, I guess that theme's overwhelming, not even in the show, but in real life, you know, the, that things are coming to an end, I guess. Yeah, and it's also Yu Hakusho is very much a coming-of-age story, so it's very, I feel like the last episode showing Yusuke coming back from the demon world to the human world, back to his original home, and saying goodbye to the place where he needed to go get his answers, and going back to the place 
now that he's found those answers, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a goodbye to his childhood and all the confusion that kind of pushed him to figure out who he was. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's goodbye to the childhood. Mm -hmm. Now he's a man. He's 18 years old. (laughs) Man. He's a real man. I definitely agree with all that. It's also interesting having now, like, read Hunter Hunter because if we were to, like, compare the character arcs of, like, Yusuke with his equivalent character in Hunter Hunter, this is where they diverge, like, heavily. Like, Hunter Hunter basically starts with, like, what if Yusuke didn't come back on time? Mm. Interesting. We'll get more into that later. <laughs> so the next one is Promises. So there was, like, Though there was, like, doubt, at the end of the day, Yusuke keeps his promise to return to the human world. And there's also, like, the promise of the gang keeps to Genkai to maintain her estate and the nature of it and leaving it, like, a safe haven for demons and I think even humans alike from, like, the chaos of humans and demons interacting with each other. Yeah, no, it's definitely... uh... It's, I definitely really see what you mean. So the, the promises to not, you know, mess things up. And I guess just keeping promises as well, if you think about it with Keiko and Yusuke. Yeah. And then also Kuwabara to Yusuke to Kuwabara went on. He promised that he would do well in school, and mm-hmm. now he's on his way to go to college. Mm-hmm. Nice. going to be a... A, uh, was it a, a meteorologist or seismologist, <laughs> whatever you know, whatever whatever mologist there is, maybe he can he could do all the mologists, mology. Yeah, even like the tagline "forever for never" kind of seems like a promise, you know, like forever not goodbye, but kind of goodbye. What does "forever" mean? I kind of took it as like the lives of the characters go on forever. Oh, but, okay. like, it was all a dream, and he's not coming back to it to write more. Oh, okay. That's so, like, you know, like, these people are real in his heart and ours, but he's not coming back to write more of it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. yeah I don't have, like, his interview to say that, but that's kind of how I took it. Yeah, and I think I think that really just that goes back to the theme of goodbye as well. I mean, I think it's good, you know, a lot of people always, oh, this should go on forever, or make another season, or do a remake, or this and that. <laughs> I just think that, you know, uh, I let, let lying dogs lie, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's no reason. I mean, a lot of people want these things to go on forever. And, you know, there are shows that do that, you know, stuff like Naruto or, you know, like One Piece and stuff. And, yeah, it's still good, but, you know, it's not like, you know, I mean, it's not as, I guess, what's a little metaphor? It's not, it doesn't have as much closure, I guess. Right. And I think it's just... Clearly, Tadashi just, like, saw that this is the end, and I want to, like, close it. Yeah. And you can feel it in the story. Like, this is meant... It wasn't because he it, he suddenly canceled because it was out of his control. He felt the need to end the story, yeah. and he did. And whether you loved it or you hated how it <laughs> ended, at least you can know that are the characters have their stories wrapped up for the most part and that they will live like a good life afterwards. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Until the terrorists attempt. Mm -hmm. 
or like Kuwara hits the Japanese depression and <laughs> works that terrible, not like twelve hour work day. That's a blue call. That's a white collar worker in sad. Japan. He's a, he's a doctor though, so I think um, while doctors yeah. there work hard, I don't think that it's going to be affected by the economy as much. Mm. Okay. It's fine. He'll they'll bounce back eventually. <laughs> the nineties were a bad time for the recession. <laughs> Okay, so the last theme is peace, though it's probably going to take some time. There's finally some peace forming between the demons and the humans, especially with like the demons promising not to invade the human world. And ironically enough, it took the barrier going down for this to happen. And then Genkai's estate is also like a promise to as a, like a safe haven for like, the demons in the human world. And then, um, lastly, like, all characters, to me, seem like they found a sense of peace in their lives, especially, like, Yusuke, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he, I, I think, every, like, even Genkai's at peace, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's back to their routine, there's not, like, a giant enemy coming back to kick Yusuke in his face with their long Japanese legs. Yeah. Or, you know, uh... Some really buff man trying to beat him up with his yeah. creepy brother. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they've all kind of found closure in the chaos that happened to them um, when the plot of the series was happening, but also found peace in the stuff in their past that troubled them. So they actually are living their lives happily versus like. They're just going through the motions. Yeah. I feel like this is, like, probably one of the very few episodes that was all peaceful, too. Like, no real conflict happened. You know, no one had to beat each other up. No, there was no sign of blood anywhere. So it was, like, definitely, like, a very calming episode. Hey, Keiko tackled Yusuke. We all saw that. That's true. It was like a happy tackle. It, it was, was a glomp, glomp if you will. Yeah, it. she glomped him. To death. <laughs> but Didn't yeah. also want to have a fight with Yusuke, too? Like, oh, I'm going to beat you up or something. No, he, he just glomped Yusuke, ish. too. Um, I think they yeah. should fight again. Sorry, I continue. <laughs> Lol. But yeah, no, uh, that's like the ending of things. And it's interesting because it leaves off in like a resolution for the characters, but the world's about to change drastically in a way that I don't think Togashi wanted to write, honestly. Because mm-hmm. like human society is about to change inexorably. Also, I'm pretty sure there was a thing in the manga for the explanation of why people thought demons were so bad. It had a lot to do with fucking spirit world putting out propaganda and also... Sending agents over to Demon World to a- act as agent provocateurs to create wars between demon factions in order to undermine their ability to govern. I might misremember the second part of that, but basically they're like, oh yeah, demons are basically at the emotional level very similar to humans, but they've been going through some crazy shit because of like bullshit that was enacted on them. So is this like some Metal Gear Solid sort of bullshit going on? Uh, I guess like clarify what you mean by that. Just, like, the whole geopolitical, you know, army stuff? Uh, kind of, because, like, we've talked about uh, Chapter Black being sort of, like, Apocalypse Now and, uh, you know, Heart of Darkness. The idea of, like, oh, uh, a lot of, like, the imagery of, like, foreign nations as savage has a lot to do with the violence we've actually enacted and the destruction of uh, society that, 
you know, the West and colonial powers haven't acted on other people. And so the idea being that like, oh, people are actually more similar and more civilized than you think, but like they've been put through something and you've been propagandized to not think of them as equal. Right. And it's order to maintain like the power and the status quo of the big bad running the show. So that's. Or the big good in quotes. The big good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, like, I, I think maybe Togashi's politics at this point had it a lot to do with, like, whoever the hegemonic ruler was at the time had to prop up enemies in order to justify their quote-unquote just and lawful rule. And at the time, that would have been an implicit critique of America, and previously probably a critique of Japan's, like, you know, earlier history. Yeah. And we don't open a very big can of worms. I don't blame him, especially considering how tired he was in not wanting to, like, navigate through that. He ends up doing, navigating it to a pretty decent degree in Hunter x Hunter and what's been written so far, and it's probably about to get a lot more. Because, like, as it goes on, it turns out, like, the equivalent of the UN in Hunter x Hunter has been hiding a lot from people. That That's not really a spoiler. You'll find out more, but, like, you'll find out more. Nice. So, speaking of uh, Hunter x Hunter and, like, other things, we're going to talk a little bit about the manga ending as well. Um, I wrote down some quick notes about each of the manga ending chapters. Uh, I guess, like, who wants to take the first one? Uh, uh, these, this will cover 171 through 175. Uh, yeah, I'll, go, I'll do the first one, I guess. So, doing 171 through 171, you cut off. Uh, through 175, that's that's all of the basic... That's the final uh, volume, if I remember, of Yu Hawk Show. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so Yusuke is back in the human world and runs a ramen shop that covers for him being a psychic problem solver. So He's effectively this- a detective. So it's basically, it's basically like psych if it was if you really had psychic powers. Wait, is it the ramen shop? Is that Keiko's Keiko's, yeah. family's ramen shop? Um, no, I it's seedier than so. than her family's place. Yeah, it's um, like he literally is like one of those ramen stalls that's underneath like a train station and exactly like serves ramen off to people. Oh, jeez! Like, yeah, it's just like side hustle to the instead of graduating from middle school, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to run ramen, and I'm going to be a P.I. It's pretty funny. Yep. Uh, brings up Chico. Oh, this unleashes... is 172. Oh, yeah, 172. The next issue. Bring up Chico unleashes uh, Morocco's strength in a way that she could have won the tournament. Basically, so... he talks to Makuro, brings up... He, like, looks into Makuro's history and how... She, like, because she had mentioned the slavery thing... And he's like, wait, your slave master's name was Chiku? Like, why did you never, like, search for him? And she basically beats the shit out of, like, Hiei, like, saying, don't look into this. And, like, Hiei, while getting beaten, realizes, like, she's much stronger than she was during the tournament and could have easily won had she been able to summon up this anger. I like how that's, like, his resolution to, like, being beat. Like, oh, wow. (laughs) What strength. You could have won this tournament, girl. (laughs) He's like, this is kind of hot. Yeah, ooh. This is a whole nother... What is it called? Dojin? Dojin? Yeah. Yeah. Get that um, guitar so... Running. Oh, sorry? Yep. Nothing. I was, I was making a dumb joke. Uh, 173, uh, y- little Yanny Water gets married to a girl that listened to his mixtape. He's like, damn, this is hot, son. And No, it's you know, actually goofier than that. Wow. Yep. He asked him... He asked him... Sorry, 
girl who asked him Sasuke what's up when he couldn't bring up courage to ask an, out another girl? Basically, she watches him fail asking another girl out by, like, not actually asking her out. And she's like, hey, you okay? And then they end up getting married. <laughs> Nice. So if you're single, just watch out for someone being rejected and, you know, slide in, in there. there. Yeah. Like the immediate rebound. <laughs> Wait for people to break up in public. <laughs> Scoop up. That sounds like a Japanese drama I watched, like, last year. Wait, what? A Japanese drama called Around 40. We can talk about that another time. It's really good. Um, but yeah, so then it cuts to uh, Chu is sparring with Natsume, who basically says that he's hopeless and he'll never be able to get strong enough for her to consider him, uh, you know, a worthwhile romantic partner. And then Rinku is watching this all happen with Sasuga, and they're apparently like just sitting together. So they're either friends or going out or something. So it turns right. out Sasuga was canon, which I previously in another episode said that I didn't think she was, but I think she actually is. Which one's Sasuga again? She's a monkey girl. She showed up like briefly. Yeah, like she the in, one, during the Demon she, World Tournament. Is she the one that uh, Rinku has a crush on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Let's go slide in those demons, man. Uh, so, yeah, uh... Kaito, oh, go for it, man. Yeah, so Kaito... Oh, you can go, too. Sorry. Oh, I was saying Kaito hangs out with his editor on his day off. You know, some real lame nerd shit. And basically, on reading this and having read Sensei Hakusho, which we'll talk about later, it turns out Kaito is really just Togashi, which now, looking at their hair, also makes sense. Like, Togashi wants to be Yusuke, and in some ways is, but in other ways is just Kaito. So is he really the... So Togashi is really the Kaito kid, then? Yeah, why not? Awesome. Speaking of kids... Kido gets stood up for a date. It's very sad. I like how all this revolves around romance, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. Um, And then we have Juri, Koto, and Ruka, um, who are all affiliated with the Dark Tournament, and they end up being on a talk show, a human world talk show, where they're asked about their crushes, who turn out to be, respectively, Toya, Suzuki, and Jin, um, who, back in the demon world, sneeze, because you know that Japanese trope of sneezing when you're being talked about. <laughs> and it's interesting here, because it kind of shows a s- sign of he- demons eventually kind of moving and migrating to mm-hmm. human world. And I don't remember exactly, but it's like implied that they're a girl group. Mm-hmm. Like, they're an idol group. Oh. And their shtick is being... Quote unquote demons. <laughs> so it's like they're almost being passed off as humans, cosplaying as demons for their idol concept. But they're, really they're wearing demons. fetish gear. Are they really? No, no, I'm saying that those, the things that make them demons, like, I don't know, cat ears and like gills and shit. Oh. It's like uh, they should name their, their group Demon Dandy or something. <laughs> So, Koenma, it goes to Koenma. Oh, sorry. It goes to Koenma now, who's uh, basically saying that he's down to rule, but knows that his dad has to be punished, because, like, this is where it talks about his dad being dismissed, because it turns out he was the one who was instigating all this shit. They never deal with this in the anime, because it's really messy. Wow, his dad's kind of a dick. Yeah, surprise, they did talk about him, like, leveling cities and crushing civilizations when he was younger. Yeah, maybe you should put uh, Koenma in charge, he seems more competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't uh, just don't eat his food. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or don't be George. <laughs> yeah. 
So then it cuts to uh, Atsuko and a mysterious uh, older figure guy who are watching Yusuke from a distance, and it turns out through conversation you find out this is actually Yusuke's human father. Um, and, like, basically saying that uh, I think Yusuke's dad has some spirit sense. Like, he talks about winning at horse betting by uh, using his spirit sense. And uh, basically says, like, oh, uh, Atsuko says, oh, so do you want to meet him? He's like, no, you know, I, I don't I don't think I could do that. And um, I think she, he's, like, blown away that Yusuke's grown up and, like, hearing that about how powerful he is. He's like, this is the same Yusuke who would run crying to you every time I spanked him? <laughs> and it turns out that his dad left uh, when he was, when Yusuke was around three. Wow, what a what a dick! It's probably also like the earliest flashback that you see of Yusuke is him being about three years old. So it shows him and like all his friends walking out on him, and then eventually being approached by Keiko and her being his first childhood friend. So that was probably right after the divorce or right after being left. Yeah, that's Keiko. Really, and it's day one. I know. So uh, switch to manga chapter 174, which uh, which was all or nothing in the OVA. So you all already know about that. If not, you should listen to our episode about the uh, recent Yuhak Show OVAs uh, where we talk about all or nothing. But that's the one that got fucked up by the sarin gas attack because um, it's a touchy subject. So people didn't really want to put that on TV. And then uh, goes to the final chapter, 175. Whoever wants to take it, go ahead. Sure. So it starts with Kuwabara and Keiko cleaning a grave. And Keiko says that she's going to Utsuya Yu's teaching program. Um, and Rama is not going to college. And instead, he's going to be working for his stepdad's company. Um, Yusuke is running late, but he shows up to the grave site without any flowers, and he's very informally dressed, especially compared to everyone else. Um, Yusuke works nights, and he asks Keiko's for dumplings, and she lets him... She tells him. Um, and she tells him to say a prayer. Apparently, Genkai has passed away right after telling Yusuke to hit the button in the All and Nothing um, OVA. And this, she basically has the same will as in the TV show. But she's and, actually dead this time. Yeah, she's actually dead this time. <laughs> and uh, Keiko, um, Yukina says, I've never seen the ocean before. It's so beautiful. And Kubar's like, Yukina-san, would you like to know what's even more beautiful? Is this Is this uh, Tadashi's way to like... This is, like, his pickup lines. Do you think he said this shit to uh, Naoko? Or... Maybe. Because it's like, hey, can you uh, proofread this? <laughs> <laughs> he, saw, he saw her, like, when... fucking, like, drawing, like, Sailor Moon. And he's like, you know what's even prettier than this teenage girl in high school? <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, no, She's like, uh... <laughs> Don't worry, they're, they're nerds. They probably were just awkward and then, like, and, like eloped really easily. Lol. So he mentions having chosen the blue button during All or Nothing because it reminded because it was Keiko's favorite color and says the literal cheesiest line of anything ever that was already in the OVA, but if someone wants to repeat it, go for it so I can go and throw up now. Um, <clears throat> if they got their god, I've got my goddess. Right. <laughs> the delivery. <laughs> I hope I never say that. When did you get so cheesy? Yeah, all of it is so bad, but like so good. <laughs> You can tell. Maybe that's better Japanese. Like I'm gonna. 
I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I, I, I just like how this is so cheap. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, look how nerdy that guy was, so... Yeah, I Probably. mean, like, it's a sweet... It's interesting that, like, the ending, the last couple chapters really had to do with the characters not fighting, um, like, resolutions, but more of their romantic lives, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, I like it. And yeah. also the professional, like, basically, like, setting them up for the future. I actually really like that. Um, yeah. So the final shot of the entire series is a picture of the four boys, the four boys falling off the wall in front of a Super Famicom in an, a beach house by the ocean. Uh, the Super Famicom was the Japanese SNES. I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be Genkai's beach house, and it was a picture of the four boys that either she had taken or been around for, and it falls in front of her video game console after she died. Yeah, Wait, she had a video game. Yeah. Oh she- yeah. Remember there was that uh, episode where Yusuke and her face each other in Street Fighter. Yeah, okay, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, this this ending, the, the 175 at least, this whole love thing kind of is, like, saddening to me, because, I mean, it might, it, I think, it kind of feels like Togashi's, I guess, sort of self-realization, I guess, maybe he was, you know, where he was feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have the same thing, where you have, you're feeling an emotion, you write a lot of stuff, or you do something that's sort of like that in that vein, or watch a lot of shows. Yeah. And I'm just imagining the the biggest sadness I can imagine to gosh writing that last line. I got I, I he they as their god I have my goddess in a small little cramped apartment room on his <laughs> desk late at night with a little lamp, looking at the thing and like having a self realization moment. This is not he canon, by someone, the way, guys. <laughs> he was dating someone at the time, so like maybe he thought they were gonna get married. It was not it was not uh Naoko Takauchi, mm-hmm. it was someone else. So probably maybe he thought they were gonna get married or maybe he was writing like this isn't working, but I don't know. I yeah. googled when they so because of all the romance stuff. I looked, googled when they met. So this ended in '94, right? The manga. Yeah. The they met in '97. Yeah. Now so he was dating a wife. woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was dating someone yeah. else. Yeah, it, uh, they implied it in the and the, was it the Sensei Haku show as well, which we'll, we'll talk about actually right now. But you know, I thought I thought it was I thought that person was um what is it? it's Naoko, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it, thought it was the Sailor Moon creator, but Oh man, if I, it was her, yeah, the guy talked about this, I don't think it is. Hmm? Oh sorry, just like the, there's a delay, so I, I keep on accidentally stepping over you guys. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, man, if it had been her, they mentioned meeting his girlfriend in Sensei Hakusho. If it had been her, they would have been like, It was fucking Naoko Takeuchi. Oh my god. Yeah, because it wouldn't just be like the girlfriend. They would be like, It's this creator, it's Sailor Moon. <laughs> or they would have drawn her better, I think, because like yeah. the way they drew her was very like mysterious lady from like the nose down, but no eye, like no details. Well he never shared it, so maybe it was just some delivery lady and they were they just thought, you know. <laughs> Well, no, no, I'm I'm serious. Like they were like, uh, like they just they just showed her like delivering. I, we'll talk about more about it, but there, it, it, it seemed to imply that it wasn't. But maybe they read it wrong. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that because like we're about to get to it now. But anyone who hadn't yeah. read anything about the ending of the manga before, like, what did you guys think? I thought it was kind of sweet. I kind of wish it would end a little bit more like that in the, in the show. But I kind of understand time constraints and maybe it just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And especially with that last. Uh, with the all or nothing not happening, it kind of was hard to sort of do and make yeah, sense. Yeah, I think you I needed guess. all or nothing for it to make sense. So we're like, oh, let's just end it here. And maybe they just wanted to end it to begin with, make a nice even number, I guess. Yeah. I also feel like for comparing like the two mediums with like print 
and broadcast. I feel like when we have something shown on TV, you want either something with like a great emotional closure or something exciting and having like all those like smaller stories hopping between and would wouldn't feel as significant. Mm-hmm. So the TV is You're like, right. no, mm-hmm. you don't need it. But for a manga, because it's by the original creator, he can release whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, he I think that makes have, perfect sense. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. Like there's less studios kind of putting in their own like feedback of what they want to show. And it's really just Tagashi and Shonen Jump being like, okay, sure. <laughs> was, so was... Was you you have a show serialized, right? So every week you come out with a new issue mm-hmm. and then they yeah. collect okay. That was about it. I was just asking yeah. if it was <laughs> Yeah, that's no, a fucking killer. Um but yeah, no, uh I really like the ending of it. Like I, I read it for the first time, like the final volume of the manga for the first time like a month or two ago and i liked it so much that i actually bought the manga volume and i thought about just buying the entirety of yu Hakusho, um partially because i love tagashi and partially because like the art in it is very different from the anime at various places like he uses a lot of shading styles and a lot more varied styles that you can't do on an animation schedule just Mm -hmm. because if you switch up that much it's going to cost so fucking much to animate but as a mangaka Mm -hmm. you can do it for a lot cheaper but it will cost you a lot of sleep which it turns out it did so uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I think the twins could probably tell you a lot more about the the like pros of the manga, but that's my mini review. So yeah, let's uh, let's yeah. jump into Sensei Hakusho whenever you guys are ready. I gotcha. So is this only the first two vol- the first two? Because I can only find those first two parts: the zero one and the living with Tagashi parts. I think he talked about wanting to make volume three, but hasn't done it. I could only find one and two as well. Because I, I thought there was Ross Scanzer and there's more of it, but I could be wrong. But we'll just talk about those three, right? Yeah, so yeah, we'll let's just cover the material let's, here. Let's go. All right. So, uh, do you want to start us off, Joe? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're today we're going to be covering Sensei Hakusho, which is a manga made by uh, a guy whose name is Ajino. I can't remember his full name, but he worked as an assistant to Togashi during the run of Yu Hakusho. Um, it's a really interesting behind-the-scenes view, but told in a narrative fashion, kind of like his, almost like a diary that's like, uh, you know, drawn. So I, it's I interesting. Think I, like, I like to think it's more as a memoir. Yeah, memoir is a better way of putting it. Yeah, it's a, it's like a drawn, like graphic, uh, like graphic novel memoir. Uh, so there's supposed to be three volumes. I couldn't find the third, so either he hasn't completed it or Patrick said there might be raws of it that just haven't been translated, but we're going to go with the two that are widely available and translated. Um, and these are just manga volumes, so they're not super long. So if you guys want to look them up, feel free. You can probably find them pretty easily. Yeah, and if um, they have, and if we get the full treatment, we can do another episode on it too. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, we, so yeah, we, it starts out... Sorry, man, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, as much as it seems like we're ending it, we're not technically ending it. We still are going to do things for like voice acting interviews, maybe, or maybe some sort of play-by-play or maybe a retrospective special. So, yeah, don't worry. This isn't going nowhere. Cool, cool. Uh, So, yeah, volume one of Sensei Hakusho kind of starts with the main character slash the guy who wrote it, Ajino, quitting his uh, day job to work for Tagashi at age 21 uh, Ajino, on meeting Togashi, thought he was 30, but then Togashi mentions that he's actually only 24. Um, I think this is kind of already signs that uh, Togashi lives a fucking high-stress life. Um, 
But at the time, Togashi was working out of his kitchen, and uh, Ajino was the first assistant he had ever hired. And Ajino talked about how Togashi like would meticulously uh, like use other manga as inspiration for the stuff he was doing, and drew by holding his pencil in a fucking weird way, incredibly near the tip. Uh, like he mentions, you know, Togashi like telling him about all sorts of like weird art techniques, and uh, including, you know, using. Uh, various types of uh production paper i forget what it's called like tone paper and stuff like that and like how to do it properly um i think so there are manga schools i don't think ajino had gone to one because i think if he had he probably would have known some of these but it's interesting about hearing that like one of the guys who worked on this was like a amateur turned pro effectively just goes to show follow your dreams i guess drop out of school and follow (laughs) your dreams fun facts um, apparently, because of the rigorous hours and the pay and stuff like that, um, the, according to one YouTube video I watched, uh, they're running short on manga assistants uh. in Japan. Um, so, hey, if you can speak very, very fluent Japanese and somehow know how to get into that industry. <laughs> and don't mind being yelled at. Yep. Go for it, maybe, possibly. My time to shine. Live Better. your manga car dreams. Dreams. Yeah, I don't think they'd probably hire you, though, if you're not Japanese. Or uh, It's person to person. I guess, I don't know. I've read online that it's really hard to a non-Japanese person to get into uh, working for Shueisha via either being making a manga or being an assistant, but... I oh, I heard that it was... I heard that... I, I, I might be, My different. information might be out of date, but I had thought I had heard that you could become an assistant relatively easy. If you had the skills and could speak Japanese, but that becoming an actual mangaka was harder because then it becomes more like a business thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because gotcha. yeah, like, what it would look like if you have like a foreign name tied to what's a traditionally a Japanese medium? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, mangaka for sure, not, not, <laughs> but mangaka assistant, very possible, possibly. Hey, maybe. if you're good enough, just work your way up and be like, hey, I work with all these people and I'm amazing. Give me my own mangaka. You can manga. always also work for a company that will hire you out like a temp. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're like, oh, we got a we got an assistant for you. Go. What if you just voluntarily? Be, I'll be the ghost manga cop. <laughs> Put someone the ghost else manga cop. Ooh. Ooh, this is a haunted manga. She's <laughs> so, uh, God damn it. So in chapter two, uh, they're joined by another assistant named Omori, who is a year younger than Ajino, but has a year more experience, meaning he started his career at 19. I can do math. Uh, she was apparently very inconsistent with regards to what he was strict about and not strict about. Apparently he forgave, like, completely bad perspective drawing because he's like, I'm bad at it too! Uh, and then was apparently incredibly, <laughs> incredibly exacting on effect lines, and if they fucked that up, he would make them do it again. Because I think he was good at that one. I, I don't know, the thing is that effect lines, I mean, those are, like, high detail that really matter. Or perspective, you can pass it off as just, like, a weird artsy thing. I think, Maybe. I think perspective makes like it's what makes things make sense within a world. I, I, you know I what I mean? But like his manga wasn't like artsy and like necessarily not until later. Yeah, yeah. But like, like once it got to chapter black, then he's like, "Fuck perspective." That's yeah. But again, apparently he couldn't do it. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's really uh, hard. 
Yeah. So Tagashi uh, would like you know routinely send them out with a bunch of money to get food for the whole office, uh, and but you know they would get like full meals or something, which he was totally chill with. Like he, they weren't taking from him, but he would just ask for like onigiri, bentos, and canned coffee. He basically lived like a Seven Eleven gremlin of sorts. Uh, sometimes he would bring them like re- sometimes uh, they would bring him like restaurant food that he didn't ask for, and they said that he looked like really happy at those times. So he's just this like cute little nerd gremlin. The way they drew or how Ajino drew, Aj, Aj, Ajino drew Togashi, it was like really cute, like a little fro and glasses, right? It's just Kaito, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Kaito. Kaito is basically Togashi's self insert. Yeah. yeah. But then when they drew I remember his, I like... saw these questions, haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when they drew his like up close form, like it was just like a gross, decaying, like sad man. Like, I know it was. I mean, like it's just that the drawing was just to Im- imply that like he wasn't very healthy. Yeah, you know, he was stressed out. He was aging in that way. I do. I do Have like you seen they... his diet? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I, I do. I do like how he, they flattered his the 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 office room he was in. Like you know how they showed like when he was playing the games or stuff a little bit around him. But then Joe posted the image of him, like, all the crap all around, like, a hoarder, like, all this junk. It's, it's oh, like... yeah. So, yeah, they, uh, they, very, um, they very nicely uh, uh, exaggerated the cleanliness of his room, for sure, or the studio, which I'm guessing is where that picture was taken at. I think so, yeah. Like, in, in a later chapter, we'll get to that. Uh, but, yeah, so Tagashi's a bit of an absent-minded nerd, it turns out. Apparently, one time, the police stopped Ajino for uh, having a broken bike light on Togashi's bike, which he was riding around at the time to pick up food. And uh, when they when they told Togashi, Togashi, like, basically nonchalantly said he gets stopped by cops all the time because of that light, and he's never fixed it. Wow. <laughs> Didn't they say he did? They just stop him from, like, walking down the street? Uh, I don't remember that, but it's probably been, like, two months since I read this, because I prepped this way ahead of time. Yeah, no, that's what, I remember he said that, I read that this morning, he was like, yeah, they just stopped me, just walking down the streets, those cops are jerks. So, actually, cops in Japan, there's not, like, we have, okay, let's not get too into it, but, like, uh, in America we have rights, right? We have the right to, like, not be stopped by the police for unreasonable search and seizure. (sighs) Except Uh, for in New York. Except for in New York, (laughs) Or, I don't even Jersey. Want to go, or, or Jersey too? Pretty much there's Jersey like, cops just There's do what a they lot want. of cities where it's also like yeah, they can just stop and frisk you. Yeah. yeah. Or it well, used to be. I think it might be an unconstitutional now, I forget. Good. I'm not gonna say anything more. Anyway, but like um in Japan apparently I don't know if there's really that kind of like mentality mm-hmm. where it's like you have rights, it's more like, oh, if you're not doing anything wrong, like they won't. So um yeah, apparently people get stopped relatively reasonably if the cop just thinks you look kind of suspicious. And uh, from the way well, let's say you look homeless. Yeah. Or like, um, like, I don't know what they thought Togashi was, just kind of like a... A bum. A bum. <laughs> a disheveled troublemaker. <laughs> he seems like a well, nice dude. You're probably just spacey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're not really paying attention to your... Surroundings, you're gonna... yeah, and I guess to some people that looks like suspicious. Yeah, very um, sus. Don't agree. But, yeah. God damn it! So uh, the next anecdote they talk about is a time that Ajino came in and found Tagashi collapsed on the floor, 
But it turns out he was actually just drawing on the ground <laughs> to allay a, a back injury he had given himself. So he was like laying flat oh. to keep his spine in alignment. Nice. And so he didn't stop and just had Ajino go to the convenience store to get him heated back pads. There was a little like side note. Does anyone remember what that said? I, it was too small for me to see. Yeah, I couldn't read them. I didn't read them either. They're way too small. Okay. I read some of them, but again, it was two months ago, so I honestly don't remember. Um, so they mentioned that when Yu Hakusho had started publishing that a new controversial manga had come out called Shinyuki, uh, and, like, Ajino and the other dudes all thought it was badly made, and when they were, like, talking shit about it one time, Togashi walked by and was like, oh, yeah, man, I had wanted to name Yu Hakusho Shinyuki, uh, but they actually got the name first, and, like, basically it turns out it's actually a pun on Journey to the West, which in Japanese is Sayuki. And so he wanted to make a Chinyuki, but then, like, that came out, and he's like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, th- you t- weren't we talk about that before? We talked about it on, like, the first episode of this show, because uh, it was already in, like, the Japanese Wikipedia, but I didn't know the background of, like, this having been information either from an interview or from uh, <laughs> Sensei Hakusho. I gotcha. Yeah. Ugh. I just Google Chinyuki. Yes. Is it about a penis ghost or what? Uh, it is that. It kind of looks like a little dick, but I don't know. There's a live action movie of it and it looks horrifying. It kind of looks cute. They <laughs> made Chinyuki like a attractive Asian man. They just made him like bald. I'm gonna look this up because I have no idea what it looks like. Yeah, Chinyuki. The art was the art was kind of interesting. You said they they made fun of it, but I thought it was alright. Maybe maybe they, like maybe... when you get into it, it's all sorts of weird. Yeah. Could be worse though. Could be something like Berserk and just be awful. Hey, Berserk rules. Fuck you. No, I'm only I'm only pulling your chain. <laughs> right, so yeah, we're... this dude's wearing the Journey to the West like headband, but I don't know. And he's holding poop. I'm super confused. It's like a golden hoop. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all I need to know about this. What the fuck? Anyways. Gotcha. So where are we at, Burry guy? Uh, yeah, so they uh, got a third dude, uh, like, who they said to that point was a mystery. Uh, basically, Togashi's superior had sent three people who didn't make it, uh, like, described as three different, like, people who weren't able to make the cut, named, uh, they just called them Beret Guy, Guy from Osaka, and recent high school grad, all of whom apparently didn't make it. I want to know more about Beret Guy. I think he's the <laughs> most important side character. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably a French man that just decided to follow He's his pretending things. to be Japanese. To become a mangaka. Imagine your background history is beret guy. <laughs> like, wore it once. One time. And that man went on to be Emmanuel Macron. Who? Um, that's the prime minister of, or president of France. I forget what the fuck they have. Uh, but yeah. I'm out of touch. No worries. He's uh he's uh I think he's married to a woman who's like older than his parents. Anyways, uh maybe he's trying to do that insurance scheme we talked about. They they basically find out at the time that uh like they they didn't know how well Yuhaksho was selling. Uh like the manga like the manga assistants only Togashi knew and they only found out how well it was doing when the when Togashi's superior basically invited them all out to an incredibly expensive dinner on him. I mean, didn't, didn't, couldn't they just pick up a Shonen Jump and read it themselves and see, oh, hey, it's doing great on the fan surveys? I think oftentimes a lot of people don't like reading their, like, things about themselves until, like, it's pretty well established. 
It's kind of like how nowadays people are like, don't ever read the comments on anything you like make. Um, probably yeah, at the time it was like, don't read the fan surveys until like we've gotten to a certain point, you know? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's gotta be like some merchandise or something they could have been passing in shops and stuff that were so popular. I don't know if they had got into merchandise yet or if that would come with the anime, uh, because I was recently doing research into the video games of Yuhawk show and they like all didn't start until like mid or late 93. Gotcha. So probably a lot of merchandise would have been in a similar boat. Um, so they actually, then I think they started actually looking into what was going on with Shonen Jump because they only found out that the anime was happening by reading Shonen Jump and seeing an announcement for it. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so they asked Togashi about it and why didn't he tell them? And he said, he said like, he didn't seem happy or sad about it. He just like, was like, it's not our stuff, guys. It's, they're just, that one's not us. So who, who fucking cares? <laughs> wow. Well, so I guess he was very hands off with the anime. Yeah, so when the uh, the anime came on, they started watching it on TV, and when differences would show up, they'd all look at Togashi, and he'd just be like, uh, the anime and manga are different enough, so I don't care. <laughs> That's kind of like, what a, I don't know, that term, like, realist, I don't know, he's just like, meh, like... <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I can see why he did it, he clearly is... I know with, like, a lot of creators, when their stuff gets adapted, they either want everything to be the same or they but then like the studios or whatever else who's adapting it that ha- makes elected decisions to change things and they're that comes up the conflict of this is not how i envisioned it is it my art but then there are other creators who welcome it because they recognize it's a different different medium so different changes will be made uh-huh. my creation still exists so whatever yeah. Like, could you imagine One Punch Man as the original art <laughs> from, like, the internet comic? I'd so be down to watch that. That's going be awesome. What, what if it was that plus the original Attack on Titan art? What is the original Attack on Titan art? It looks I like mean, shit. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty goopy. Well, the art even, even the new art looks really funky, especially with the, the giant eye people. Everyone looks like they're... They're horrified and seem like a ghost or something. <laughs> so that that that's on purpose, but like the way they're drawn in the manga is even weirder. Weird. Gotcha. So uh, we want to move on to volume two. Yep. April fourth, nineteen ninety two. Literally uh, uh, six days before I was born, or three days? No, five days before I was born. They moved into a workplace, and the dark tournament is just starting. They're fighting in it. Yep, they basically, they basically just brought the desk, lamp, screen, tone, and their luggage. And the old place just became Togashi's apartment again. So he's probably happy that he can uh, have a little privacy, I guess, okay. once in a while. Even though they all sleep at that same at that studio all the time, which is kind of... Eh, kind of work culture, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> New place was near the train station and probably used to be a shop. Uh, and the two front rooms used to be a cultural center for classes on flower arrangement, etc. So I was confused. Did they have the whole area plus those two areas to themselves, or was it just that one room? No, the two classes are still operating because they talk about um, women in the flower arrangement classes and pottery classes being around there regularly. Yep, and then they uh, and they even uh, they even added a TV and two bunk beds for four people and new copy machines, so they can. Mm. Sleep in the studio and not sleep on the floor. Aww. Man, Japanese work culture really sucks. Yeah. Good luck in getting a 9 to 5. 
But so, uh, wait, so with the bunk bed thing, that's only like work days, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, only work days. The okay. thing is, I think it, on, in Japan, it's pretty much all work days. They work like Monday through Saturday, right? Yeah, it's like six days a week. But still, on Mangaka, I think they work 24, like, every day. Because, like, you see their schedule. It's, like, everything filled up. So I think maybe they're working every day, though. So I just watched an interview. Again, on YouTube. So I get my information nowadays because I don't have cable and I <laughs> don't look into things. But uh, for this one Mangaka, he has an apartment just like this where he has, like, a bed and, like, studio space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has a second home, like his actual house where his family and him live. And then mm. underneath he has like, um, like a studio space for his employees. Mm. Um, and the, their, his schedule was insane. It was like Monday was like draft day. Tuesday was like line day. Wednesday was the editor comes in. Thursday was this Friday was this. And then Saturday was like publishing day and like mm. whatever. And then like a rest day or something like that. Oh. So. I could I could be wrong. I mean, I guess maybe it just depends on the manga and how behind they are. I imagine depending on how behind they are, or how the schedule is, they don't want to take a day off if it's like it's due and or it's not or it's overdue. You know, it it highly depends like what the level of continuity and art style you use for uh, your manga is, how many assistants you have, etc. So like. I'd say that, like, a lot of mangaka schedules are fucking crazy, but you often hear mostly about the craziest ones, like Togashi. Gotcha. So, yeah. All right, so, yeah, the new place had the two TV and two beds, the two bunk beds, and they always had the TV on watching shows in the background, sort of what I do when I do things as well. And it just became used for, for playing games, which is where that famous Togashi photo came from, <laughs> I assume. Uh, and there was a creepy mannequin in the bathroom for some reason. Because they shared it with the art studio, and I think they were keeping the mannequin in the bathroom for storage. So there's just yeah, a complete fucking mannequin in there. That is such an Asian thing to do, is to use your bathroom as storage. Mm-hmm. Like in restaurants, like Asian restaurants. That sounds yeah, incredibly you're not wrong. It is, But like, I swear to God, I've seen jars of kimchi in the bathroom once. Like, wow. Okay, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, go I mean, call the... Uh, restaurant. <laughs> it's delicious, I swear. <laughs> Probably should call the. Because it uh, tastes like shit. Yeah. Um, no. uh, it's sealed. It's fine. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yep. Uh, and then one of the uh, Tagashi brothers comes and visits. And when Tagashi introduced him as a manga, he said his brother went and said, "Oh, I actually draw erotica." And the brother was cheerful and very talkative, and a little bit too talkative, would you say? Yeah. A little bit yappy. And again, the sh- and the shut up. Tagashi had him do some pages. Ended up. End up talking during that as well, so very, very talkative, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, your brother's a bit talkative." Like, yeah, I know, but he, I'm he's still imagining for his little brother. I'm imagining if he had brought him in during the dark term, and he's like, "Yo, man, did you ever think about making like elder to girls' fingers into dicks? Because check this <laughs> out, and like that's how we ended up with half the shit." <laughs> like, there's this new craze in erotica that I think that you could incorporate into your work. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, you ever think of just removing Kodo's top or something, man? You know, <laughs> make it interesting. <laughs> His old, like, you know, Tagashi's just like, I mean, I've thought about it, but I'm not doing it. What the fuck is wrong with you? This is for kids, dude. It's like, listen, I mean, you could make it subtle. I mean, what, the, didn't you read Berserk? It's like, get out. <laughs> but no, so, uh, yeah, you can go. 
Oh, yeah. It then, you know, goes to, like, later in the year, and Tagashi gives them a bonus, which was equivalent to two months of salary. Uh, and this was after being told that, like, bonuses were a thing. And I think Togashi's just like, yeah, bonuses are a thing here, and just gives it to them. Um, so eventually they get pets for the place, uh, a fish and some snakes that they just keep in, you know, a terrarium, an aquarium and a terrarium, respectively. Uh, another time on the way to the Tezuka Awards, Sagashi mentions he had met uh, Tezuka, and that Te- Tezuka had told him to give uh, to make something that gives kids like you know that makes kids dream bigger dreams. And so he wrote the Dark Tournament for the kids, and uh, it's noted by Ajino that uh, Tezuka had died a year before Yuakusha started. Um, as in, like you know, Tagashi had spoken with him, but it was like when he was doing other amateur manga before he had ever. Because uh, Tagashi won a Tezuka award years ago for an oh. amateur one he did before making Yu Hakusho. That's pretty awesome, though, that he got to meet the god of manga. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. at a later point, uh, deadlines were starting to take their toll, and Tagashi started like being slop- <laughs> like sloppy. I like the script. I like this cross that Tagashi died a year before you Hakusho started. <laughs> it's a ghost manga. That was my mistake. Uh, but uh, Tagashi started sloppily one man armying the manga, like basically just like, "Oh, you guys need to go home and sleep. That's cool. That's good. I'm glad you guys are resting. I'm gonna stay up all night and do your work." He's that weirdo. Like he's not actually being a dick. Like he's like really just like, "Oh, that's cool. You guys need to rest. Anyways, I'm gonna die. See ya." <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm starting to think maybe he put a lot of this on himself versus maybe what I thought where the where Suecia was pushing him. Mm-hmm. I think it's a combo, like, probably. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, oh no! Like he's just like the kind of person he's uncomfortable delegating stuff to other people. For sure. Or I kind of read the next line. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, the next line uh, is he didn't want to let oh per, he didn't want to let his assistants help with inking. Or his career was over. Um, the way I took his career was over, like when he said that, or when it was like written in the manga, was more just like a. Um, I think it's like a. I felt like a more like a prideful thing. Like mm-hmm. if I don't, if I'm not able to do my own art, I feel like it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like he didn't really want like ghost. Not go- I mean, his assistants were his assistants, and I'm sure it was very grateful for him. But he wanted to draw everything. He wanted to be the, the man in charge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that he didn't. He was losing control. He didn't want to have. He wanted to be the one that did all of, all of it. Want to be, yeah. It's my work, my show. I want to do this and that. I want to be, you know, the best manga. I want to be like uh, the god of manga, I guess, and do everything myself. Right, because I feel like you know you can give us more perspective as someone who works like as a creative. Oh yeah. When it comes to like these projects and these arts, like especially when you're working with like a company, does it feel like these projects are still your own creation, even if it's something where you do need assistance? Like, is there always like this conflict about how much can I have other people do to the point where it's still mine? Yeah, no, I mean, there's some cases like that where I've had to delegate, like, a certain part of a project to someone else because I was made, like, I had to work on another one, and it was, like, so sometimes it's, like, when who receives the kudos from, like, the higher up, and, I mean, sometimes they say, for the most part, it's me, but then I'm one of those people that's like, no, this person helped me with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if was the same way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's like, and even when I was like a junior designer, 
Um, it was similar where when I was working on something, I wish, like, I put my all into it and no one would receive credit for it. Aww. And so it's like, yeah. So there's a lot of conflict with that. I understand where Takashi's coming from, especially, I think, with, like, manga. It's like, because no one really knows, like, at least very, like, most people don't know that manga cause have assistants. They just think, oh, the manga cause the one drawing everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just wanted to have that pride. Yeah. And his assistant, like, the way he, his assistant took it was, like, uh, I think he was, like, pretending to, not pretending to sleep, but, like, he couldn't sleep, and I don't think they realized he was up there in his little bunk bed, and um, he was like, oh, he's so cool. Like, what a cool, mm-hmm. what a cool thing to say, <laughs> sensei or whatever. <laughs> it sounds so weird to say anything, like anything with the coon at the end, like sensei, um, Onisla. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Onichan. You mean Aniki? Aniki. Um, but yeah, so at this point they got an automatic mahjong table around volume 14 as quote-unquote a necessary expense. And they would play to pass the time because they would work so late the trains would stop. So they would play mahjong until like this first train in the morning at like 6am so they could go home, sleep for a couple hours and then come back. Wow, that's kind of, kind of like me in a matchup gathering where... I'll stay up late at night and just play all night. It's like, oh, whatever. I get a couple hours. Like, oh, it's like three in the morning. Probably should go to bed. Yeah, it's a salary man life. It's nice that they were able to like stay somewhere though. Like, yeah. Like not have to wait at the train station for the next one to come. Pass out on the staircase or a karaoke room. Yeah. The arms of the mannequin. The arms of (laughs) the arms of your loved ones. It's fine. Yikes. So Tagashi was worried that he actually caused his editor's work hours related divorce. Like his editor was so busy that they got that he got divorced. Wow. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> so during these times they started playing Super Nintendo a ton, like sometimes like way too much. And apparently one night Ajino went to sleep and when he woke up, Togashi had beaten Mario Kart and unlocked Rain well not beaten Mario Kart, had beaten most of Mario Kart and unlocked Rainbow Road on Ajino's own cartridge of Mario Kart. Wow. Wonder if that would go for some major coin. Lol. Yeah, pro- oh you mean like uh Ajino's Mario Kart cartridge? Yeah. Probably. I, you probably I, sell that for a ton I, of money. It's like Yu Hakusho was made on the back pod. of this. Like it supported them. Oh, okay. That'd be, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, Tagashi's editor once shut off one of his, uh, Super Famicom games to force, <laughs> to force Tagashi to get back to work. Um, and then the last thing that's really happens is they mentioned meeting Togashi's quote unquote phantom like girlfriend once. Like, because she, like, showed up, they saw a silhouette of her, and then she was gone. I think it was just some delivery lady that was giving her food, to be honest. No, it's the same girl every day, dude. It's the same girl, and they mentioned him, like, talking with her on the phone once or something, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, he's extra extra happy whenever she comes to visit. I think they're just being respectful of, like, his privacy privacy a little bit. Like, we all know he married who he married, but I don't think they went into, um... That'd be real awkward if uh, she found out through this who the other girl was, and it was, like, another famous mangaka. Oh, God. It's one of the people at yeah. Clamp. Don't worry about it. Oh, oh dang. It was the lady that did, uh, did um, uh, Inuyasha. 
Oh, well, she is crazy. definitely not straight. <laughs> she is definitely not straight, so it's definitely not. No, she's like I actually was straight, and then I went out with Tagashi. Anyway, yeah, we won't get into get into the sexuality of mangakas in this episode. Next episode for sure, though, guys. All about that now. It's a deep dive. Yeah, well, I was curious. What do you know? What game that he was playing with the ship, though? Uh, I don't remember because I again I read this two months ago. I don't remember gotcha. what it looked like. Could you describe it to me? It was like this. This game is like a platformer on a ship carrying people or something. I'll, I'll just send you a screenshot later. It's not Donkey Kong Country Two. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely Donkey Kong Country Two for sure. I think it's Battleships. Could be starring <laughs> Rihanna. Oh man, Rihanna. has you remember that phase in Hasbro's career where they're like, let's make movies now? Well, actually, they do that a lot still. They should probably not. I think they own the Transformers license. Yeah, they do. They own Transformers, My Little Pony. Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me. Actually, they released this My Little Pony Magic the Gathering set, which is kind of cool. Like little cards. (laughs) Uh, Really know their audience. Speaking of uh, toys, there's a a documentary on Netflix that's called Toys That Made Us. Ooh, I've been watching that. It's pretty good. That's the only reason I know names of toy manufacturers right now. But it's a pretty interesting, especially when they get into, like, the 90s, 80s, like, toys when they're not super made by, like, the big manufacturers, when you get to hear from, like, the people who design the toys. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting ones. I think uh, my favorite one's the Power Rangers yeah, one or the, like, um, or the Star Trek one is funny. Especially, did you watch the Star Trek one yet? No, I, I'm not really into Star Trek, so it wouldn't be, like, super oh. relevant to me. But I did see the Power Rangers one, and it was very good. That was funny. Okay, so last thing we're doing on today's episode. Uh, next time we're going to do more commentary tracks, but today we're just going to talk about Justin Cook's solo account of, uh, you know, sort of working on Yu Hakusho. And uh, I considered it the uh, American equivalent of Sensei Hakusho, kind of like the behind the scenes of the American anime, um, the American dub of the anime. So uh, you could find this as like commentary track five if you look around the internet for it in mysterious places. Yeah. But, uh, you can yeah. look, look really hard at our Facebook page that links it. Yeah, with, with the password. There. I don't know who. Yeah, who did it, and the, but... the password's like four 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 something. So, <laughs> you know, if you if you're like you know look at our page, you find it. You can just type in that password and you can listen to it. Strange, it's kind of weird how it came yeah. out at the same time we were doing this episode. Weird, weird, weird. Very weird. Very weird. Anyways, uh, yep, yeah, Conch Track Five, uh, Justin Cook solo, and for you who don't know who Justin. Cook cook is he is the voice director and line producer also he, he might do a voice on Yu haka show i don't know minor he, character my, minor minor Yu haka show character so it's not well, what's, what's that character's name again uh something you're you're a ma, you're a man she or something you're you're, you're a messy you're a messy or ah, something like, like the soccer player yeah yeah like messy yeah i think yeah you're the messy now dog um that's that's his name punch uh, the messy for god's sakes <laughs> god damn it uh <laughs> So he began yeah. working on the show in uh, summer of 2001. Uh, he was recording episode 6. Like, So for some perspective, he said he was recording episode 6 when September 11th happened. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because like, like I, I remember uh, I, I watched another commentary where uh, the guys that did uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! said the same thing. That they were recording during 9-11 and doing that show. And it kind of meant... It kinda, they had to like do work really hard for that just to make kids a little bit less... Focused on that, mm-hmm. I think oh, actually, de- I think it actually delayed Yu-Gi-Oh's launch as well. I, I can believe it- that, seeing as how it takes place in something that has a lot to do with the Middle East. So they're like, should we still release this? 
Oh no, no, I meant like the the airing because I think it hap- it aired like a little bit after nine eleven in two thousand one. Oh, wow. Or I think it was airing during. I'll have to look it up. Anyways, you know. I'm not gonna lie. You said Middle East, and I was like, "What New Yu-Gi-Oh has to do with like anything in the Middle East?" And then I remembered, ah, Egypt, and I'm like, ah, where is Egypt? Great, the Middle East. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, like my child brain didn't put two and two together because like Egypt to me was pyramids. Like, yeah, I don't no, know. I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting the perspective differences for you know different the countries of pain. Like the Egypt, we think you know all the you know the pyramids and all mm-hmm. the ancient ruins and archaeology and stuff. And for other people, it's like, you know, country in the Middle East, you know. It's, it's interesting. Stan, we can, we can talk for a little bit more about that later. But anyways, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, you said, said it was really emotional when, not, it, when 9-11 happens. They're recording and it was really, it's really an emotional time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're sort of doing that same thing, trying to maybe take people's minds off of what happened. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, um, I don't think it started airing until 2002, though, right? Um, it might have started airing in late 2001 or early 2002, I forget. I The first time I saw it, I just remember it was probably winter, but I can't tell if it was, like, you know, late 2001 or early 2002. Um, and that was when it was on Adult Swim, so I don't know. But uh, just like a little humorous aside, he mentions that he originally wasn't going to be anyone on the show, but they were having a hard time finding someone for Yusuke. And eventually the other producers basically brought him in and were like, hey, just read us a couple lines, see what happens. They asked him to leave the room, and then he got picked, which was not his original intent. That's still pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He talked Um, about who else he went to for advice on making the casting decisions. These were other people who had been at Funimation for a long time. Uh, producer Barry Watson, uh, longtime editors Daniel Mencia and Jeremy Jimenez. I tried Googling those last two dudes because I had never heard of them. Um, one, turns out there's a lot of Daniel Mencia's and Jeremy Jimenez's. I actually probably, I think I know a Jeremy Jimenez, so that, yeah. And they're both not I know super Daniel credited. <laughs> so they're probably very, like, they probably were dudes who worked a lot on original Dragon Ball, if I have to guess. Because that'd be, that'd be the most sensible thing, but I can't tell anything beyond that. Barry Watson, I think, is pretty well documented as having worked on a couple other shows. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Cook mentions that he watched a fan sub of Yuhawk show like three times before he ever even started like doing real work on casting or writing, just because he wanted to have like a pretty good understanding of like the show in its full run before like writing the early versions of the characters. Which, we've talked about this on a previous episode, that the Japanese cast did not have this luxury, because Yu Hakusho was not done by the time they started making the anime. So, the American cast actually had a much better idea of the full arcs of characters and the motivations of characters than the Japanese cast did in the beginning. That's interesting to think about. Like, you never... I never think about, like, oh, how much research did they do before they started the show versus, Mm -hmm. like, what could they research or what could they prepare for? Because, like, when you look back in retrospect, it's one more... It's a fuller character. Right. And if you're, like, kind of line reading and, like, just kind of assuming what the next step will be. I think one of the funniest things is the fact that he actually had to go buy or find fan subs of this of this anime online or, you know, at conventions. Yeah. For doing something official for it, which I always think is really interesting if you think about that he had to do something illegal, technically, to be able to do something <laughs> legal for the company. <laughs> yeah. So it's super interesting and really, you know, talk, really skirts of the 
that whole copyright for personal use and things of that nature, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank- Patrick, you're probably very well aware of this, but a lot of re-releases of games from the NES and Super Nintendo have a lot of hallmarks of piracy. Like, official company releases seem to oftentimes have been downloaded off ROM sites instead of, re-dump- instead of re-dumped from cartridges. Yeah, no, and- I, remember, I remember hearing that there's a header file in, in, in Super Mario Brothers that actually had a, a pirate header inside of it. Yeah, so long story short, um, I'm of the opinion that like software preservation and preservation of a lot of media, unless you like reform copyright law, pri- like fucking piracy has a lot to do with the ability to preserve things. And so uh, the U.S. is in a real weird fucking place with regards to that, and this Yuhak Show thing is one well, example even, of it. Even Japan, though. Oh, yeah, Japan's definitely screwed on that one. I mean, I don't know if you heard about the guy in the, the coffee shop. I'll make it short. The guy in the, 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 the barcade that was, like, he was almost arrested for having the Super Famicom and all the classic games there because it was illegal to distribute that way. Yeah, like, the world but, yeah, needs we'll, to have a reckoning with regards to copyright law because it's a nightmare right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that on the when we do the video game podcast, though. Cause I think oh, that, for sure, because we're going to be doing illegal shit. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, let's let's go. So he, he mentioned. So going back onto the uh, since uh, sorry the commentary mentioned showing the late part of the series and manga to inform Kurama that he is voice actors of their motivations, like we're saying, and includes the manga only stat stuff. So you're showing them sort of what's in the manga, some of the you know maybe some of the motivations with um uh what's her name uh the mommy. Ma- oh, like Kurama's mom. No, uh, or so he is mom. He he is mommy. Issues. Oh, he... Makoro. Makoro. Oh, no. Uh, I, think, I think they're talking... <laughs> oh, but no. I think, I think in the interview they were talking about Hina, though. Like, basically showing him stuff about Hina to explain why he is so fucking pissed off at the world. I gotcha. That makes sense. We got tossed off an I- a sky island. <laughs> a sky island. <laughs> fly. Fly, buddy, fly. Hiei is the original Skylander. Uh, um... I- I think the funniest part, part the funniest part I liked about it is the, I talked about Korbar stalks off as the Bronxy accent sound like sort of Joey from Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> God, Joey from Yu-Gi-Oh. And then how, so oh, Yug. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and how he, how he got rid of it to make it feel more like any town in America, so sort of a, I guess it, uh, I guess really, it's, it's, it sounds more small town American, right? Yeah, kind of like the... Blue, he's literally like a blue collar, <laughs> like so kind of every man. Which I thought yeah. was interesting. And then I think in the original, in the original manga and in the <clears throat> Japanese anime, he is the small town everyman, but it's very much the Japanese small town everyman. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things like that, like in Azumanga Daya, where they have somebody from a rural place that comes to the school that works there, they gave him a southern accent. Didn't you know that Asuka is basically Texas? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> do American or do American dubs of Japanese anime, do they still do that? It's a, so, I don't so, know if they like, still do. You know I what know. I mean? Like, I'm kind of glad they don't. Like, I mean, yeah. randomly, like, Joey's accent from Yu-Gi-Oh! Again, like, yeah. what? But also... Yeah. Uh, it, it it just really all depends. Most of the time, it's more of a natural any American accent, but something like Azumanga Dial, where they needed to do it to make her character make sense, right? In a way, to like differentiate her from the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's showing her that she's an out of towner, like from uh, was it Osaka, right? Yeah, Osaka. There's like a Gainax anime magical shopping arcade of Inabashi. It mm-hmm. takes place in um, Osaka, Osaka, <clears throat> and. 
They give everyone like a southern drawl. Yeah. <laughs> like American South? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty common for how they do it. It's also dubs my and favorite shit. like animes. And, oh, yeah. But they like kind of, once you get past the dub, you can take it a little bit seriously. So she's, but it is really funny at first. Is it like a bad southern accent? You know what oh, I mean? Like, it actually a... sounds, they don't over exaggerate it really. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of reminds me of a Bacano. Bacano, was it Bacano? Oh, the da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, they give them, like, the, the Brooklyn accents and New York accents. Wait, are they in New York? But yeah, yeah, they they're are supposed in New to be York. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes, that's the only one that makes sense. Yeah, like, it, I guess it makes more sense if it takes place in, like, a setting yeah. where that accent would naturally happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's no really way to, for, like, at least if you're showing, like, American audience... The closest thing that would be to Osaka would be the South. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I mean, it's literally South of Tokyo, yeah. so. I'm still bothered wish... to give everybody Italian accents in JoJo Part 5. <laughs> God damn it. But I, I was going to say, I wish that for, like, anime made in Osaka, when they would introduce a character from, like, Eastern Japan, like, you know, just, like, have someone from Tokyo show up, like, everyone would speak normally in the dub, and then the character from, like, Tokyo would have, like, a, like, very high-class, posh British accent. It's like, ah, this is fucking oh, weird. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think a New York accent would be better, like a city slicker accent. Like Los Maybe. Angeles? Like, 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 yeah, like... Like, you know what I mean, right? Like, from Pierre that's how all the girls sound. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Shibuya. Yeah. Shibuya. I'm from Shibuya. Shibuya. <laughs> Shibuya. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so back to them casting people. Chuck Huber's seat is a natural fit for Hiei. What was interesting was they talked about that fans had been sending in fucking tryout tapes because, like, the Yuhak Show fans who had been seeing fan dubs and fan subs for, like, years like, wanted to, like, basically get in and be Hiei because that's the character everyone had really attached onto. Because I think... Hie is in many ways. I wouldn't be surprised if he's much more popular in the states than he is in Japan, because he's very much the like Edward character. <laughs> I, he's an e-boy. I, I just like the idea of people recording like with their camcorders and syncing it up with a VHS of the the sub trying to audition. Oh god! One guy lights himself on black flame. It's real bad. <laughs> Hot. Anyways, Wait, yeah. has anyone ever been cast that way? Is that how Chuck Huber got cast? He sent in, like, a homemade tape, or...? Um, I think he sent it in, but he was a known actor, so they're just, Uh-oh. like... Like, he's not, like, a big actor, but they knew of him, and he had done, I think... No, he hadn't done any voice work, I think. But I think this was, like, his first no, he voice did, thing. He... Oh, no. no he, oh, he, yeah, he's he, Android he 17. No, he fucking voices Pilaf in the Dragon Ball dub. Was that first? No, it was, it was at the same time, but... He did do oh, Android okay. 18, but yeah, he 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 did do work for that. But I think uh, I think was it Dragon Ball? Did they do that before or after Z finished? I can't remember. I for I think they did it after Z was already nearing finishing, and I think they mentioned that he was the only one who recorded remotely initially, and then came then came there, and so he was like a Chicago theater guy. Yeah, that um, could be. But uh, but anyways, yeah, he uh, he still had some experience in, in Funimation in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wasn't like a nobody. Yeah. But yep, uh, mentions Kent Williams was Chu and George and brought both to life very well. Uh, made sure to show him that George was the narrator ahead of time, probably not given to the Japanese actor. And then the doctor roles in DBZ and Fruit Baskets, Dr. Jiro and Hitoshi Soma. Hattori. Oh, yeah. Hattori Soma. Yeah. So it's like a lot with 
Funimation, I think, with a lot of the dub studios back in the early 2000s. They just had, like, almost like in-house actors, in-house talent that they would frequently show in these dubs. And the more that they showed up in different dubs for different animes, the more that they got fandoms for people. And that's probably helped them with their auditions for other animes. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think they still kind of do that today where they pretty much have in-house, like, voice actors. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of like a study nine-to-five job if you're yeah. a voice actor. Why wouldn't you want to stay within the same company? Right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just a typical thing. It's, it's sort of the, if you work these people, you just want to keep bringing them back in. Yeah. I still think there's some outsiders here and there, though. Yeah, I think they do have it more now. I think it's easier to outsource things with, like, technology. Yeah, because I know people, like, don't even live in, like, uh, Tara Strong, she did a... Uh, Oh, did, Tara Strong is Tara Strong. Yeah, no, like, she just, she would, she's recorded all, all these students, like, in Canada and New York. She would just send it in, just, like, an email. So she never was there doing the group voicing oh. stuff. I think, yeah. So, so, yeah, a lot of them are mobile now. Like, they have their own giant studios in their closet. I know uh, uh, the guy that does, um uh, what's the name, the, the, the Cowboy Bebop and Tom, I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Spike, not Spike Spence, Spike Spencer, that's not, no, that's the guy that's Shinji, sorry. But th- I guess the point is that they all have these studios and stuff that they can record in, so it's literally not an issue anymore to travel or go back and forth, just need to re- record it, send it over, uh, fa- uh, email or maybe on Google Drive and just send your lines in. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, where are we at, uh. Kent so, Williams, for, yeah. Casey Buckley was cast as Shizuru, and then for Kuwara, Justin Cook and Chris Sabat were actually longtime <coughs> friends, with Sabat basically being his like ADR engineering mentor. Um, John Bergemeyer was cast as Kurama, and he was the like the pronunciation guy oh. for the dubs, so helping everyone like know how to pronounce things. That's so ironic that the Canadian version, the Kuwabara, was the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You mean Kurahara? Kuwabara, yeah. <laughs> they needed John Bergmeier there to help them out. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and Chuck was the, the only main person that wasn't local, like we discussed earlier, that he was from, was it Chicago, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, sorry, I want to make sure you, you were there, Joe. I thought you disconnected again. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Genkai was played by Kurama's mom, uh, Justin Bergmeier's mom, of course. Linda, the the famous Linda Young, which is sad that she doesn't really do voicing anymore, because I think she... You know, like, yeah. But, you know, I, I still think she's my she's my go-to for Frieza, as much as c- people criticized her for it. I loved her as Frieza. Wait, who criticized her for Frieza? A lot of people. I thought a lot of people did that. Sid, Sid made, it, made, made it more... I just, sounded way too gruff and it sounded like like she had a uh, Frieza had a sickness or something like that or had like a a throat thing I don't know maybe Joe knows about Um, it too I I had heard this but I had heard it mostly about her late era performances in that like she was clearly getting older so it sounded different from old Frieza I suppose so like basically just getting older harmed her range basically Yeah. yeah oh wait she's still working I thought she retired. 
No, she she did the fruit baskets twenty nineteen. Oh wow! For, maybe like, she retired for, like, from. Voices, but still. Maybe she retired from uh, Barely from DBZ. Done the fruit basket yeah. two thousand nineteen anime. Mm-hmm. She was like female Coker one eighty and like Saki's grandmother, but like still. Um, and then Full Metal oh, Alchemist that's Brotherhood. Wait, who's she in Brotherhood? Sean Shan. I don't know who that is. It's probably a minor character. Yeah, they're probably minor character, but still, she's still... It's she's, Sean. It's Sean. S-H-E-A-N. Sean. I thought Sonic's called Sean. I was going to say, what? <laughs> I'm dyslexic. I can't... Um, I, I'm just glad she's doing her... She's still doing stuff. She's a great voice actor. But the, yeah. and then Botan, a.k.a. Cynthia Krantz, was previously Chi-Chi. Oh, I can hear that. Oh, she also played... um. Uh, uh, one of the character, the kid, the de- kid's detective in Case Closed or Detective Conan. Uh, I think his name is George in the English dub. I can't remember what his name is for Japanese, but yeah, she also played him, which I thought was that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I mentioned the the extent of the stuff they had to do to hide Shizuru's smoking in the last episode for the the tsunami version. <laughs> Did you just give her a lollipop? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just cut real quick. Odd, odd, uh, odd, long shots of uh, Yusuke holding still. While... <laughs> yep, and the cook mentions being incredibly proud of the show and it being a huge part of his life, which is really, really nice to say. Even during the periods of a ton of work, it just felt like I was supposed to be do. I was supposed to be doing. It just felt like what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, Sorry, so I just might have missed doing, yeah. Yep, and then uh, yep, and when he was recording this, they just had started showing the show from the beginning on Toonami, which. Oof, they do that quite a lot. <laughs> I think that was like the end of that era. They started doing less of that as time went on. I think it's because they, they instead of doing the episode, like they release it like by like, instead of bachelors, like by each episode. I think they just went and it's like, you know what, let's just do a huge batch and just send it and just have them air it. Was this when they moved like to the the super early morning time slot? I don't Is think they mentioned what was going on at this. Well, Toonami was only an afternoon thing, so it's probably during the afternoon then. Oh, so not when... Well, I thought Toonami... Or was it already... Was it Adult Swim yeah. when they had it at, like, yeah, t- t- 2 a.m.? Uh, Toonami was 2 always... 2 a.m. was Adult Toonami. Swim, yeah. 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 And uh, then after Adult Swim aired, they'd play Thundercats or Captain Planet at 4 and 5 in the morning. There was oh, yeah. a brief period where they did a thing called Toonami Midnight Run, but I'm pretty sure Yu Hakusho was after Midnight Run was over and they replaced it with Adult Swim. Oh. Yeah, and eventually, and eventually Toonami got canceled and it became an Adult Swim mm. thing on Saturday. That's when they do all their, their anime stuff. So it's kind of weird now because technically... It's technically still Adult Swim, but it's Toonami. But Toonami was the other. Yeah. Is Tom still running it? Yeah. Maybe he is. Steve Bloom. Get in work. Wasn't Steve Bloom? Yeah, Steve Bloom. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's... Oh, Steve Bloom, that's what I was thinking of when I said yeah. the guy from Power Bebop. Like, hey, he's the guy from Power oh. Bebop. I once heard him in a 7-Eleven commercial, like, <laughs> a radio commercial, like, years and years ago. Yeah, it's, it's weird hearing him in different things of our anime. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Spike Spiegel. Spike? What? Who are you? That's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. Spike Spiegel, not Spike Spencer, I keep saying that. Nice. Any, anyways, uh, where are we at? Yeah. And then... It's the note that you don't, you may or may not want to read. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, this is a quote from the 2000s. Uh, we can we can just kind of yeah, yeah. Basically, so yeah. we're really glad that they got all the themes, um, both the opening and the endings, um, dubbed in English. 
Um, so they had like a bunch of different members from the cast, like Jerry Jewell and I think Sarah White. I don't know if she actually had any spoken roles, but she was the one who sang like the opening theme song, mm-hmm. Smile Bomb, and eventually for the finale, she did the whole thing. Wow. Who else did it? Mercuro's actress, I think, sang a song as well. Oh, really? Well, I don't know which one. <laughs> a song. <laughs> Come and happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, and just in the background of the Demon Tournament, you just hear Mercuro go, Happy birthday, your birthday is today. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of related. I, remember, I was actually listening to an album from Initial D where it's the voice actors singing the songs that they, they drove to, and it kind of reminds me of that. Like the voice actors actually singing like Eurobeat and stuff. It's kind of interesting. That's amazing. It's 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 English all the way. They like retranslate it, and then they say, you know, break on the brooks, break on the brooks, or something like that. <laughs> That's so good. I'll send, um, it, I'll send you a YouTube video of it. It's funny. I, please post it to the channel. But I was going to say, so uh, they were actually late to dub the second ending of Yuhawk Show, which is why it was like basically the first ending of the show went longer in the English version than it did in the Japanese version. It went like a couple episodes oh. late. I didn't even realize that. I think I only remember but realizing right. when I switched between the U.S. and Japanese version when I was a kid, and I was like, wait, what the fuck happened? And then, like, I looked it up later. It's kind of like the Catalan translation issue where shit just got, wires just mm-hmm. got crossed, I guess. But yeah, that, that'll do it for uh, the stuff we want to uh, cover today. We're going to do the rest of the commentary tracks on a later episode just because uh, it's already pretty late on the day we're recording. Um but yeah, uh, Patrick actually has something to plug real quick. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to do a thing on the, 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 the Facebook page and Twitter called uh, Shit-Ass Christmas. It's going to be 25 days of the most obscure and crazy Christmas anthems I'm going to be posting like every day. So we've got Santa's Coming by CKY, Frosty the Blowman, <laughs> A Very Ray Christmas, All I Want, a Christmas, All I Want for Christmas is a Bag of Weed, Eurobeat Christmas, Siva Gunner Rips, and just whatever. So uh, it's probably going to be halfway through that one that's posted, but... Yep, uh, just keep a lookout for a lot of bizarre Christmas songs. So that's, that's fun. It. I usually hate Christmas, but songs, Christmas songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they- really? Yeah, <laughs> they're playing them right now in stores. Oh, yeah, no, God damn it! It's almost on ninety nine point nine. It's still, it's rolling right now. Having my car going. Can't guys! Right as soon as Halloween started, they started playing Christmas music, and I was like, "Why? Uh, It's too early." I just went to the Philippines, and they were Uh playing in hardcore. They started in in September. (laughs) Oh gosh! Yeah, Yeah. that's that's too September's too early. October halfway through November is acceptable. Anytime before that, no. The Philippines doesn't have Thanksgiving, so there's no, or or fucking Halloween, so that's probably a part of the reason yeah. for there being no barrier. Yeah, and like people, true. I think we've talked about this on a previous episode that like people refer to the Burr months, B E R, as when people will start playing Christmas music. So September's the first one. Yeah. Yikes! No, thank you. Too early. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Yu Yu Hakusho Show. Your support means all three worlds, human, demon, and spirit, to us. We'll be back next time with something a little bit different. We'll be live streaming and playing old school Japanese-only Yu Yu Hakusho Show games and talk about them. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook 
at the U Hawkish Show with two O's, or on our Twitter at the U Hawkish Show with one O, or buy us some coffee at ko-fi.com slash the U Show. And remember that you can listen to us um, either on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you wherever podcasts are sold.